This is Solid Foundation Ministries with Dr. Pierre Couvert, building solid foundations through sound Bible teaching. Good morning and welcome back to Solid Foundation Ministries. This past week, God laid something on my heart that I had not understood before, at least not in the way I will explain it today. I never could have seen it when I was younger because it only pertains to those who are older. Older people are often relegated to the sidelines, either because they are no longer capable of doing certain things, or because others think that because they are old, they should step aside and allow the younger generation to carry the load. The something that I saw is something that can and should be done by all older people. Each of us should be an immovable rock in our faith and our doctrine. The younger generations want to change things, but the things of God are unchangeable. If something was right or wrong in Bible times, it is right or wrong today. If God pres- uh, prescribed a way of doing things in the New Testament, it's still the best way of doing things today. Jeremiah gives us a glimpse of what I'm talking about. In chapter 6 and verse 16, it says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. As what they call senior saints, a term that I don't like, but we must stand fast and firm and strong in the ways of God. We must ask for the old paths because they are the good way. We must walk according to them. When we do, our souls will find rest from the battle. The sad thing is, the next generation do not want to walk according to the old ways. This is not just true when it comes to spiritual matters. It is true about most things in this world. Everything, including history, science, family structure, etc., must change because the generation think they are more enlightened than we are. It is true that they know more things uh, than we did at the same age, but they do not have the experience or the wisdom to understand them. On top of that, they don't know more than God. Remember, God sees the end from the beginning and knows the consequences of our departing from the old paths. Those of us who have faithfully walked in the old paths know that God's ways are always best. We know that doing what God says, even when it doesn't make sense to our minds or when it hurts, is always the best way. We know that God is faithful, and He always keeps His promise. The following is a verse that uh, God impressed me to make my life's verse early in my ministry, and He has been faithfully keeping this promise for all of these years. It's Matthew 6.33, which I've mentioned many times on this broadcast. It says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Except for two very short periods of my life, my income has always been below average, yet I and my family have never lacked for anything we needed. Let me share one simple and perhaps silly example of uh, of this. A couple of weeks ago, the oven in our range quit working. 
The first blessing was that normally we would not have the money to buy a new stove. We don't buy things on credit, but God worked it out so that we had the money when we needed it. We went to Lowe's to get a new stove, and the one we bought was on sale so they would not give me my veteran's discount. It pushed our budget to the limit. It meant that we could not buy some other things that we were thinking of, of getting. When the stove arrived, the delivery man pointed out a dent in the side of the stove. It was cosmetic. Uh, it would not sh uh, show when the stove was in place, and it would not affect the operation of the stove. But he told me to contact Lowe's, and they would probably give uh, some money back. The next day, I went to Lowe's and presented the problem. After doing some things on her computer, the clerk asked me, would you like a 10% rebate? To which I responded, yes. That's exactly the amount my veteran's uh, discount would have been. But the discount would have been on the stove only. The amount they gave me was the total cost, including delivery. We didn't really need the de discount, but God gave it to us anyway. He always gives us more than what we need, and that's my whole point. He keeps his promise to provide for his children, and usually more th uh, than we expect. The rest of this message is directed at those who have walked the old path, who have seen God's faithfulness over the years. We must be rocks that do not move according to every new thing that comes down the pike. The next two verses give us two principles that we are to follow. The first one is 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. It's therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The second one is in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 23. It says, If ye continue in the faith grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which ye have uh, w and which was preached to every creature which was under the under heaven whereof i paul am an able minister uh, i stumbled a bit on that one but forgive me the first verse uses the words steadfast and unmovable the second uses the word settle and not moved these are uh, the same Greek word, at least in roots, in both passages. Steadfast and settled are translated from exactly the same word. It means fixed in place, established, or determined. This has to do with our attitude and is inward-looking. It is who we are. We are not to vacillate in our opinions and doctrine. Unmovable and be not moved are translated from different Greek words, but they have the same basic root. They mean not to move away from a position or place to another. This has to do with what we do and how we act. It is outward looking. This is what others see. Others should see that we stand where we have always stood on the word of God. The verse in Colossians also uses another important word, that is grounded. It has to do with the foundation upon which we build our beliefs. We are to stand firm, be steadfast and unmovable on the precepts of God's word. Our steadfastness should be God said it and that settles it. 
there could be no compromise on God's precepts. God's precepts don't change with culture, nor do they change with the passing of time. Today, the supposed foundation of God's word is shifting sand. I understand there are more than 120 supposed translations of God's word in English. None of them say the same thing. All of these translations cannot be considered the word of God. There is only one that has stood the test of time and has proven itself to be completely reliable. It is the King James Version. All of the great revivals in English-speaking lands have been based upon it, and none uh, have been based upon any of the new translations. Not only that, but the further we have gotten from this old translation, the more ungodly Christians have become. In the more than 60 years I have been a Christian, no one has been able to show me any place where the King James Version is mistranslated. The Bible gives us a strong warning about deleting anything from the Word of God, yet all, with one exception, delete enough words from the their translations to equal First and Second Peter. It's like removing them from the Bible. The one that doesn't says that those same parts should not be there, so they don't delete them from the page, but they do delete them from the minds of their readers. You can't be unmovable if your foundation is moving all over the place with all these modern translations. The next thing I want to deal with is why is our immovable rock so important? It is because we have an enemy who is trying to destroy the faith of our children and our grandchildren. Have you noticed how many families, including pastors' families, are losing their children to the world? It is because our first ministry is not reaching the lost, as important as that is. It is not growing the church or providing for the material needs of our family. Our first ministry is providing the spiritual needs of our families. We want to blame the culture, the schools, TV, video games, politicians, preachers, and churches, but the blame rests squarely on the shoulders of the parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents. Somewhere along the line, we have dropped the ball. We make the culture. We allow the schools to be what they are. We allow what's on TV and in video games. We elect the politicians. We choose the preachers, and we make up the churches. You see, we are to blame. As older Christians, we are to show the way to the following generations. Listen to what God said in uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. It says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. We are to be sober. That means we're to be serious about the things of God. We are to be vigilant. That is, watching for the dangers around us. Satan is active in this world. Don't forget, he's called the God of this world in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. We must warn the younger generations of his ways. 
he is corrupting the word of uh, of God so no one knows what God really said. He is filling the young people's mind with bad music, bad entertainment, bad philosophy, bad heroes, etc. If we don't tell them, who will? I know it's hard to go against the flow, but it is necessary if we want to stop the slide into apostasy in our nation, our churches, and our family, in, in, in our whole culture. The younger generations don't have the experience of life to see the dangers. We do, or at least we should if we've been paying attention. Listen to what it says in Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. As also in all his, that is Paul's, epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which some are uh, things are hard to understand, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own uh, destruction. Ye, uh, ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also be led away with the air of the wicked, and fall from your own steadfastness. At this point, I'd like to put in a warning about scholarship. I have a master's and a doctorate degree in theology. I'm not against education. What I am against is allowing scholarship to take the place of Bible study. Having two higher degrees, I know that scholarship is really studying what others think on a subject instead of studying out the subject for yourself. If you doubt that, just look at what you have to put in the papers. You have to have a certain number of references to what other people have said. We don't need pastors and preachers with advanced degrees, even though there's nothing wrong with those. I mean, I have them. Uh, but we need uh, pastors and preachers who know what God said. Again, commentaries are useful, but they are written by fallible men. God's word is written by an infallible God. We need to use it as our standard and not what other people say about it as our standard. Having degrees does not mean you know the subject. It means you know what others say about the subject. It, it most certainly does not mean that you understand the hard and the more difficult parts of the subject. Much Christian scholarship in the elite Christian circles today is concerned about finding out why what we have believed for centuries is not what the Bible really says. To quote uh, the serpent of Genesis chapter 3, they are saying, Yea, hath God said. That is not the kind of people I want to follow. I want to follow those who stand up and confidently say, Thus saith the Lord. Some things in Scripture are hard to understand. They require a lot of study to wrap our minds around them. That's why the Bible tells us to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. We're to study. Men like John MacArthur and R.C. Sproul, who are popular today, and men like Lewis Sperry uh, Schaefer and Albert Barnes, who were uh, used in the Bible college I went to, may be good and dedicated Christians, but they are only men. 
To the best of my knowledge, all of these men are, are, were, are or were Calvinists, which means they held serious air on uh, some very important things concerning how one is saved. To hold the Calvinist position, you must twist or rest the scriptures. The following verse is one example of what I mean by this. In Second uh, Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The thing I want you to see here is that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This verse clearly debunks the Calvinistic doctrine of irresistible grace and of limited atonement. Those Calvinists I have spoken to on this passage say that it means all of the elect, not everyone. But is that what it really says? No, it really says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to uh, repentance. This is adding to God's word when you stick in all. It is soundly condemned in the scriptures. They rest or twist or distort the scriptures because of their lack of understanding of what the word of God really preached. And in the process, they think somehow they're more intellectual than we are. That is, those of us who don't hold the Calvinistic doctrine. These men have a lot of education. They have degrees but they are still unlearned. They know Calvin's institutes, but this has clouded their minds. Instead of reading the scriptures and rejecting what Calvin says, they twist the scriptures to bring them in line with the false teaching on God's plan of salvation. That is a very dangerous position to be in and one that I don't want to hold and I really would not like to see anybody else following it because it's going to lead you into error. And these are, salvation is not the only place where they have error in their, in their teachings. For example, John MacArthur has said that it's not Christ's blood that saves us, it's just his death. In other words, he believes that any kind of death would have done. But the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And it says that we are saved through faith in his blood. So we need to be careful when we follow men instead of what the scriptures say. Now, folks, I'm not telling you you can't learn from these people because you can. They have some good things that they say also. But be extremely careful. Remember, only God's word is infallible. No man, including myself, is. When we study the scriptures and not what others have written about the scriptures, we know the dangers of Satan. and uh, We know his wiles. We know how he works and what he's doing. And since we know them, we are to be careful that we don't get caught up in the errors uh, propagated by unlearned men no matter how many degrees they have. If we do, we will fall uh, from our own steadfastness. In other words, we won't be those um, immovable rocks, those, those people that the younger generations can look to and say, hey, there's someone who stood fast all these years. Maybe I should follow them instead of following all these new things that are coming down the pike. 
It doesn't matter how many degrees a person you're listening to has, you should always check him out. I would like to remind you that Paul had at least the equivalent of a doctor's degree in the law, and he persecuted Christians before his salvation. If he really knew the Old Testament scriptures, he would have known that Christ was the long-awaited Messiah. He did not because he followed what others said the scriptures meant instead of studying them out for himself. It was only after he received an education from the Master that he really understood the things of God. One of my favorite passages of scripture on this subject is found in Acts chapter 17 and verse 11. It's talking about the people at Berea when Paul was kicked out of Thessalonica and went to Berea and preached to them. And here's what a God had to say about these people. It says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Folks, the Bereans were called more noble because of how they responded to Paul's preaching. First of all, they received it with all readiness of mind. This means they were excited about hearing the preaching of God's word, and they were ready to accept and to apply it in their lives. However, before they did, they searched the scriptures to see if it agreed with what the scriptures said. This is especially important uh, to understand because Paul was an educated man with a law degree and he was an apostle of Jesus Christ. That means he knew what he was talking about. But in spite of this, they knew that he was a fallible man and they checked out what he said against the scriptures. Folks, that's what we need to do. The preacher has the responsibility to preach the word faithfully and not to twist it to mean something other than what it says. I can't take the scriptures and say, well, I really want to say this, but I'm going to use this verse which kind of says it, and then twist it to make it say that. No, you can't do that. You have to be faithful to what it says, preachers. But since all preachers, including me, are fallible men, the hearers have the responsibility to get out their Bible and check what he says against what God says. There's no other way that we can know for sure that we've got it right. Folks, if we're going to be steadfast and unmovable rocks upon which the uh, following generations can anchor themselves, can stand on, can look to us as examples, we must know the Word of God and stand fast upon what it says. Now, we also need to let the younger generation know that we are not infallible. They need to study the Scriptures themselves. The problem that we have today is so many people uh, go to church Sunday morning, Sunday school, morning service, Sunday evening, uh, Wednesday night or whenever they have their midweek service and other times when they have special meetings like revivals, etc. They go to church during those times and they listen and they say, wow, the preacher said that it's so good. But do they go home? And we have this responsibility. Do they go home and open their Bibles and uh, check it out and make sure that's what the Word of God says. You know, as Baptists, most of us at least carry our Bibles to church. Why? So that we can look at the passage the preacher is preaching on and we can see the context. 
and we can see if he's really being faithful to that context. Now, he should be, and most of our pastors probably are faithful to the context, but it's our responsibility to check it out because the people who are preaching are fallible people. I'm fallible. Everybody's fallible. We can make mistakes. We may not have full understanding of a passage. I hear preachers get up and and preach things that are difficult to understand, and I listen to the way they preach them. I say, well, that's not quite right. And I'm talking about good men. I'm not talking about men who are are heretics or, or anything like that. I'm talking about good men. And folks, if we want the next generation to be what it should be, if we want to stop the slide uh, in our churches away from the Word of God, we have got to set the example. Us older Christians, those of us who have been down the road, you know, I'm fortunate because God put in me at a very young age a love to listen to those who'd been further down the path than I had so that I could avoid making the same mistakes they made so that I could know how I should approach things. And, you know, I make enough mistakes on my on my own. If I can get somebody else to keep me from making those mistakes, I'm much better off. So, folks, what I'm talking about this morning is mostly to us who are older people, those of us who have been Christians for many, many years, those of us who have tested God's Word by applying it in our lives. And, folks... We have a responsibility. Just because we've got a lot of years under our belt doesn't mean we are no longer useful in God's service. And sometimes we can't do things because our physical condition has stopped us from doing them. We we can't uh, stand up and preach anymore because our our physical uh, body has reached a point in life where it, it, it... just can't do that, or our voice is gone, or, or something like this. But we can all be an example. Sometimes, and I'm sad to say that I've been in churches like this, sometimes they think when you get over a certain age, well, you sit down and you let the younger people take over because you've done your share. You've done your share when God decides you've done your share, not when some church decides you've done your share. You've done your share when God's done with you. And at that time, he will remove you from this earth and take you to be with him. But just remember this one thing. As long as God leaves you on this earth, you have a very, very, very important purpose. It'll be different for different people, but we have children and grandchildren, and some of us are blessed with great-grandchildren that we are an example to. I remember when my mother got old, she says, my children don't need me anymore, so I just want to die. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I needed my mother. I wish she was still alive today. I I, I need my mother. I need the older people. She'd been further down the road than I had. Did she make some mistakes? Yes, and I learned from her mistakes too. So, folks, my whole purpose today And I know I'm kind of rambling here at the end, but I want to impress upon us older people the importance of us knowing what the Word of God says, standing fast upon what the Word of God says, and living it out in our lives so that the younger generations that are coming up uh, behind us can see what it means 
to be a Christian. Being a Christian is a lot more than just uh, having a ticket to heaven. Being a Christian is being an example, a living witness that people can look at and say, that's what I should be. When I went into the ministry, I had four men that I looked up to. And I said, those are the men that I want to be like. Those four men are, I, I think there might be one of them still alive. Uh, maybe, I'm not even sure on that one. But those four men were an example for me. They were not perfect. I did not worship them. I did not follow them blindly, but they had set an example of faithfulness to God's word. And that's what I wanted to be like. And folks, I don't know about you, but I'm not changing. If it was right in the New Testament, if it was right a hundred years ago, it's right now. If it was wrong then, it's wrong now. If God's way of doing things worked in the New Testament, I flat guarantee you they will work today. So let us be unmovable rocks that people can look to and say that's an example of what a Christian is. And if we will do that, we will not only see our families improved, we will see more people saved because they have an example of what a Christian is really supposed to be like. Well, that's all for today, folks. See you next week. You have been listening to Solid Foundation Ministries from Lenore, North Carolina. Dr. Kuvert has 35 years in the ministry as a former missionary and pastor. He is available for revivals and various conferences on missions, Bible, Baptist heritage, and the family. To find out more, go to our website, solidfoundationministries.com, or call 828-244-6505. Remember, the Christian life is not about you. It's about God receiving the glory.